Ephesians is where we are. Turn in your Bible, Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's usually some Bibles scattered under the seats in front of you. It's going to be on the big screen as well. But you can't take the big screen home. So bring your Bibles to church because you're going to need your Bible, even if it is in the floorboard of your seat all week, uh, underneath your driver's seat, you know, that's where most of us keep it after Sunday. Maybe just me. Um, You need your Bible. Bring it on Sundays if you can. We'll put it up here if you don't have it. But uh, you can't take the screen home. You can't roll that big thing up and take it home. It's just something about knowing where things are in your Bible. Do you you guys do that? Like you don't know what chapter it is or verse it is, but it's right about here and it's like in the top left-hand corner and and then you can find it. Yeah. So have a Bible. And if you don't have one, steal one of the ones under the seats here. It's free. You can have it. I won't tell anyone. Ephesians chapter 2 is... um, What a great chapter. What a great chapter. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul put all the focus on God where it should be when it comes to our salvation. God did it. He did it. He did it through the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, wholly and completely. It was an act and work of God's mercy and grace and kindness towards us. He was rich in his glory and grace towards us. And Paul just said, look at him, look at him, look at him. It was one great long thought and sentence like drinking out of a fire hose and he just blew us away and then he had to pray for us at the end of chapter one so that we might be able to swallow some of it and he prayed that we know what is the hope of our calling the past that we know the riches of our eternal future our future and that also we would have the power for here and now to walk the rest of the days of our life and that's what he did in chapter one Chapter 2, he's not really going to change his focus. His focus is still going to be to say, God is the one who's done this, Christian. God is the one who has saved your souls by his grace and mercy alone, wholly and completely. But now we get thrown into the mix. Same focus, but you get added. Uh, It's probably not the way you would want to be added to the mix, though, in chapter 2. Listen to just the first few verses. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you... He's speaking to the church now, by the way. Don't miss this. Because many of us would like to think that he's talking about the lost folk out there. But indeed, Paul is writing this letter to you and I through the ages to the church. Talking to Christians. And you were dead. Dead in your trespasses and sins. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. And of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience still currently. Among them too, we. That's you and I. How many of us? What's the word? All. Formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Now, those first few verses in chapter two may not be the best news for being included in Paul's focus here. But these words do a few things. And I think Paul has intended them in in the final evaluation here in chapter two to point back to God and say, here's why you need God, because here's who you were. Don't forget why you need God. I mean, we easily forget, don't we? It's why we do this in remembrance of him. It's why we have some of the traditions we have so that we can remember. It's why uh, we put a Bible in the center of this room. It's symbolically why we come around this table. We need reminders because we easily forget. Paul said in other places, it's no trouble for me to say this very same thing to you again and again because you need the reminder. 
We would like to forget. Here's where I'm going for this message today. We would like to forget, wouldn't we, church, that this was us. And unfortunately, we very often do. We get one year, two year, ten years into our Christian walk. And this isn't true about us. And I'm not talking about currently. All right? Like, you're not to live bound by these truths presently anymore. But at the same time, you're not to completely forget that they were once true of all of us. I don't care how many years you get down the road. There is a healthy understanding and remembering of the weight of our sin. Of the gap that was between us and God before God bridged the gap. And so Paul at the outset of chapter 2 reminds us, you, you were a few things here. Don't you forget it, church, dead, trespassers, sinners, sons of disobedience, all formerly lived in the lusts of your flesh. You indulged in the desires of the flesh and of the mind by nature, literally by birth. You're children of wrath, just like the rest. So here's the picture Paul is painting for, for the church at Ephesus. You know, as you guys look out there into this world and you're walking as light in the darkness and you're seeing the wretchedness that is in this world, the sinfulness that is in this world, the disobedience, the lust of the mind, the lust of the flesh, as you're walking in that and you're seeing it all go by, remember that you were actually there too. Don't forget. There wasn't a different story about you and I. You and I don't have the story that God looked down and I was pretty good and and I wasn't that bad and I was better than those and... So he decided to work with me and we teamed up and now I'm a Christian. I accepted Jesus. That's how we say it in the South. You accept Jesus? S-E-P. Accept Jesus. I accepted Jesus. Me and Jesus, we're a team and he saved me. That's not exactly how it worked. In Paul's mind and in God's theology, you were all of these things too. But we we don't always like to remember the past, do we? I mean, we'd rather forget the old us, wouldn't we? I mean, it's kind of like when you're, you're looking at old family photo albums. Yeah? How many of you enjoy looking at old family photo albums until there's a picture of you, right? Yeah, I mean, we look back at some of those pictures and we're like, I can't believe that that, that was me. What in the world was I thinking? What am I wearing? I can't believe that me and all my friends actually would put that on. What did I do to my hair? Um, if we could bust out your family album, I mean, I mean, it'd be, it'd be an interesting thing, wouldn't it? Just for the sake of God's word and for illustrating this message, I happen to be able to come across a few of your photos and, um, maybe just for the sake of our learning experience this morning, looking back just a little bit would enable us to learn. Maybe you remember this guy. Anybody recognize this guy? Put them on my. He's not here today, so I decided to pick on him first. That's Craig, the guy who works in our sound booth. Can you see it now? He's got a little, little, little more of a, a froed up hair in this picture. A little younger, but that's Craig. How about this next guy? Who's this? Oh. Oh. Uh, Jeff. What, what's going on back in here? You did have hair, brother. You did have hair. 
I'm digging the curls that are popping out. Now, that's not actually a mullet, is it? That's technically not a mullet, is it? Might have been a mullet in Florida. Some of these we would rather forget. We got anybody else up there? Let's pick on somebody else who's not here today. Y'all see who that is? That's Ricky. Our usual guitarist. Story is that his mom talked him into getting a perm. I called Creesha. I said, Creesha, you getting good pictures of Ricky? She said, yeah, I got one I keep on the dining room table. I said, no, I want like a, not a nice looking picture. I want a funny picture. She said, yeah, I keep it on the dining room table. That's great. That's great, Ricky. Uh, who's this next guy here? See if any of you recognize this guy. Uh, this is straight out of Miami Vice. The white patent leather shoes. Could, 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 could that be our very own Eric Scoggins? Wow. Wow. Now, Eric, you'll recognize this picture, I'm sure. And you're just thanking the Lord right now that I chose this picture. Because there were a couple others attached to this picture that uh, are not appropriate for, for this gathering. Yeah. Man. Kimberly, can you go get me some water? Because I'm, I'm partially. Will you go out and get me a little bit of water? Thank you very much. I got one more here. I don't know who this is. <laughs> the only uh, female that I could manage to get a picture of uh, is my beautiful wife with her perm. Isn't that sweet? All right, take it down, take it down. We would love to forget some of our old pictures, wouldn't we? We'd love to forget the truth about us back in the day. Paul wants us not to forget in a healthy way, church. Now listen, you're not to leave this place. You're not to walk your Christian walk out burdened by the sins of your past. You are free indeed. Amen? But we cannot, church, forget that such We're all of us as well. You know, this isn't the only place you hear this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll just turn, you listen. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you want to jot down the reference, you can. Chapter 6, verse 11. Such were some of you, church, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and then the Spirit of our God. Focus on God. Because such were some of you. Now, the verses before that, he mentions things like thieves, coveters, drunkards, revilers, swindlers, etc., etc., etc. And then he, he ends that chapter saying, and don't forget, such were you as well. Until God did what only he could do. Colossians 3, if you want to jot another one down. Paul wrote to the church once again saying something similar. Chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Why would you have to consider yourselves dead to those things and the members of your body, your faculties dead to those things? Because they were very much alive back in the day. That was true about you. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Sons of disobedience. Remember that phrase? That's what he calls us in Ephesians. And in them, you also once walked 
when you were living in them. It was true about us. It was true about us. Let me give you one more. He said something similar to Titus. Titus chapter 3, verse 3 through 7. For we also once were foolish ourselves. How's that for your ego? Disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy and hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness, but when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of our deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. You see where the focus is? It's on Him. But how do we gain that clear focus? We gain it never forgetting, never forgetting that was us. The gap between us and holiness was ginormous. The gap between us Right and wrong in you and I was unsurpassable. It was, it was unreachable. We couldn't swim our way upstream to God. We couldn't get smart enough. We couldn't wise up enough to accept Christ in and of ourselves. We needed him to be gracious and merciful to us. And what does that do? What, what does that do? It helps us to understand that he must become greater and we must become less. John 3.30. That the focus of the glory goes to God, not to us. Do we have anything to brag about? Sure don't. Paul's going to say in Ephesians chapter 2 in the next sermon, I've got nothing to boast about. I've got nothing to brag about except for what God has done for me. I mean, did we... Did we sit down, church, analyze the facts and decide, logically speaking, that we were going to choose God because it was the best choice? Maybe you did some of that. And maybe God brought some of the walls in your heart and mind down by walking through some of your question marks. But it was by the kindness of God. The kindness of God. That he pulled the scales from your eyes, pulled the curtain back to your heart so that you could receive grace and mercy. There are, there are a few lessons we can learn from remembering where God has brought us from. In no particular order, let me give you a, thing, a few things that this does. Not forgetting where God has brought us from, number one, brings clarity to the gospel. It brings clarity to the gospel. If you're trying to work out the gospel as a you and God proposition, the gospel will be muddy. And you will not be able to clearly convey what God has done for you because you're all mixed up in it. The gospel is the story of what God has done wholly and completely for you, in you. The clarity of the gospel is at stake. And understanding, remembering where we've come from, It helps clarify the gospel. It gives you a proper theology of your humanity. That you didn't clean yourself up and present yourself to God. God washed you clean. 
by the blood of the sacrifice that had to be through the perfect begotten Son, Jesus Christ. The gospel becomes clear when we remember where God has brought us from. Number two, remembering where God has brought us from gives us passion in our worship. Think about it. It gives us passion in our worship. Every now and then I'll mix you guys up and I'll preach before we sing. And very often when we do that, it's because I want the word of God that is going to be open to us that day to inform your worship. Worship begins with a good theology of you and God and how God bridged the gap between you and He. Remembering in a healthy way who you were before God saved you drives you to your knees and lifts your eyes to the cross. Remembering where God has brought us from, number three, causes humility towards each other causes humility towards each other. I wanted to stop here in these first few verses of chapter 2, and this is the reason right here. Primarily, this was the impetus for the direction of this message. Church, if we are going to be the church that gathers around a family table and is honest and and real and uh, transparent with one another, um, we, we can be prickly, right? And we can be sharp with one another. We need reminders very often. We need reminders very often that, you know what? I'm saved by grace just like that guy. God's doing a work in him just like he is in me. God has been walking me through this journey that is my salvation in a unique way. And he's probably doing that there and over there and over there. Every now and then, doesn't happen here, but in other churches, every now and then we get into our Christianity and we start to think that this guy or that guy or that lady or this family is not running hard enough or fast enough for us, for our evaluation. Um, There are times when we come alongside a brother or sister in Christ and we will encourage, we will motivate them in love, mind you. And we will even challenge them. There are times when we will even rebuke them. Let me balance all of those things with just this word. Remember, remember your chains. Remember that from which God has broken you free from. And remember that most likely it wasn't an overnight deal. Remember that he's still working in and through you to shape you and sharpen you and mold you into the man, woman, or child that he's called you and I to be. Think back to the times when he was trying to do something in you. And it was clear. Think back to the things that you've learned that you that you ask yourself, why wasn't that why why couldn't I have learned that a year before, two years before? Why didn't God give me that perspective on things a season before? How come I didn't understand what it was to be married and have kids before I was married and had kids? Just a word of caution for us, for the body. Be sure, be sure that you are dealing with each other in light of your own stuff. 
with a healthy understanding that God is at work in you. You are under construction as well. Remembering where God has brought us from, I think, gives us humility towards each other. Four, it creates patience in us towards the lost. Remembering what God has brought you from, out of, through, creates in us patience towards the lost. Um, I don't know about you, but there are men and women in my life, friends, neighbors, that I am trying to share God's grace and mercy with. And every now and then I find myself thinking, why don't, why don't they just get it? Why don't they just do it? Why don't they just convert already? Why don't you come on and accept Jesus? <laughs> and, and every now and then God reminds me back. You remember how long it took me with you? You remember how patient I was with you? You remember all the circumstances that now as you're looking back with a 2020 vision that I lined up in your life? You remember that guy that came into your life? You remember that family that came into your life? You remember those circumstances that were going on? Do you remember what drove you to your knees in your bedroom with only one way to look and that was up? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember, Lord. I remember. Let's be patient. Let's be patient. Because remember... It's not about them cleaning up their life. It's not about them pulling themselves up from their bootstraps. It's not about them getting smarter, getting as wise to theology and religion as you have become. No. It takes the miracle of God in the depths of their heart for them to be saved. There's something about knowing and remembering in a healthy way where God has brought us from that gives us patience towards those he has not revealed himself to quite yet. Patience. Last one. Remembering where God has brought us from drives us to prayer for the lost. Drives us to prayer for the lost. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, I'm, I'm praying and been sharing the gospel with one, one gentleman I can think in particular, and um, it's been kind of like no response. And I caught myself, even just in the last couple of weeks, thinking, wow, you know, I'm giving this guy good answers to his good questions. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm living it pretty well in front of him. I mean, he, at least he doesn't see any hypocrisy in my life that I know of. <laughs> um, why doesn't he get it? And God said, remember... I'm the miracle grow in the situation. And so God has been driving me to my knees for this guy in particular, praying for that power we talked about last week to make itself manifest in this man's heart and mind. God, only you can convert the soul of the man. Only you can pull the curtain back. Only, only you can make these truths more than just truth. Only you can take the truths that I lay upon his heart and lay upon his mind and bring them into his heart and into his mind. You want to go out sharing the gospel? Pray hard. Pray hard. And there's something about me remembering how hard-headed and hard-hearted I was to the grace of God that gives me a little more patience toward the lost 
and causes me to pray even harder for them. Because you know what? I'm not going to talk them into it. (laughs) I'm not that slick of a salesman. I don't have all those answers. You know what I'm praying for with this guy in particular? And here's the prayer you can pray for all those you share the gospel with. God, do only what you can do. Do the miracle in the heart. Do the miracle in the dark. That's what it took for me to bring me out of my darkness and to thrust me into the light that is the glory of your Son. Pray hard, church. Pray hard. I don't have any more pictures. The rest of you are safe. But I will pray for us. Dear Jesus, we, um, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. But as a, uh, as a wise friend recently told me, we need your word in the depths of our heart to do something transforming in us, to make us different when we leave here. And so my prayer as we as we close your word, is that it it wouldn't just be truth laid upon our minds and laid upon our hearts, but it would be truth. It would be a word from you thrust into our hearts in a way only you, Holy Spirit, can do. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You're welcome to, to work in our hearts. And if we're here this morning, whether we're here for the first time or for the hundredth time, Lord, something about being here says that we give you permission. We give you, our creator, permission to speak to us and to speak to us at a heart level. So, Lord, would you change us? Would you shape us, sharpen us? Maybe you need to remind some of us. That such were all of us as well. Would that cause humility, patience, fervor in prayer, clarity for your gospel? Would it do all those things in our hearts and minds to make us that bright light, the salt in this this dull world? Thank you, for, uh, thank you for the time we have here around, around the family table. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand and we're going to sing one more as we're dismissed. And um, why don't you just let God whisper to your heart this morning. We got about two and a half more minutes before you're thrust back out there into your busy life. Why don't you give him two and a half, three minutes? Just let him say what he wants to say. Amen? Are you brave enough to do that? I dare you to just let God whisper into your heart. If you want someone to talk to you, you can grab me on your way out of the door. Today may be the first day that, that you've seen Jesus and the, and, and, and the God of heaven, your creator, in the light that the Spirit has brought him to you. And if you need to talk through that, if today is the day of your salvation, God is whispering grace and mercy to your heart, knowing that you still are 
you still are labeled as those things we read this morning. In Jesus Christ, you are free. The very next verse, I'll give you a sneak peek to next week. The very next words in Ephesians chapter 2 are, but God. (laughs) You are this, but here's what God can do. You need somebody to tell you what God can do for you. Grab me on your way out. You can come sit by me during this last song. Pray. Give God these last two and a half minutes. Let's sing.